Scripture today is 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Miss Willis, my fifth grade teacher at Gratis Elementary, called my mom one day and said we need to have a meeting. All your son does is look out the window and stare the whole time he's in school. Of course I'm going to stare. Outside the window was a full-length basketball court. And it was my hope and my dream one day to play in the NBA. I wanted to play for a team called the Buffalo Braves or the Philadelphia 76ers. In order to live that hope out, I would have to be recruited by the general in Bloomington, Indiana to play for IU. Most boys around here wanted to play for Bobby, the general. In order to do that, I would have to lead my high school team to a state championship. In order to do that, I would have to work so hard at the game of basketball and perfect my skills to reach the dream that I have in the hope of playing in the NBA. So while the other boys were out playing baseball in the summertime or running around, I was on the basketball court perfecting my shot, working on my game. In the wintertime, when you weren't able to play basketball, if it was a blizzard, I would go over to the court. I would shovel the whole court with my gloves and my snowmobile suit, and I would work on my game. The basketball wouldn't dribble. I didn't care. I was just shooting, shooting, shooting. When it rained, I took cardboard boxes at the house, and I would lay it on the ground in the mud so I could shoot the basketball. I wanted to play in the NBA so bad. That was my hope and dream. But then reality set in. As I got over, I realized, hey, you got no shot at the NBA. Bobby's not calling you, brother. You ain't going to go to college anywhere. In fact, you'd be lucky just to be a halfway decent high school basketball player. Probably wasn't even that since I don't hold all the records at the school. I'm way down the list. But isn't it funny how life comes at you when we're starting out? Don't we have big hopes and dreams of what we want to do when we get old? Things we want to accomplish. But surroundings around us, life happens, and then we, reality starts to set in, and we think, man, this ain't happening. I'm never going to reach that goal. I'm not going to accomplish that dream. Maybe somebody comes by and gives you a dose of reality. You're too short. You're too slow. You can't jump. You don't have a future in basketball. Just being truthful with you. Maybe circumstances around you forbid it. You get hurt or something happens to you. You're just not able to live out the hope and dream you have when you become an adult. I think this is what the apostle's talking about when he tells the church, if you only have hope in Christ right now, you of all men are most pitied. Corinth was a beautiful place to be, full of commerce, people buying and selling. All kinds of cultures came to this place. All different religions involved in this one community. It was prosperous. It was moving. It had life. People were getting saved in Corinth, and they were coming to the church, and the church had life. Paul said they were full of the Spirit. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit were operating in this church. All the people were functioning as they needed to, as Paul described, as a body working together in their own individual talent to fulfill the will and call of God on the life of the people. And even though they sinned, they had bad doctrine, 
and they fought all the time. For some reason, God was blessing their church. And in this church, there was three things taught about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that was being taught was there is no resurrection. When you're dead, you're dead, and that's it. The next group said, well, there is a resurrection, but it's spiritual resurrection. It doesn't matter what you do with your body. Do anything you want with your body because your spirit will one day be with the Father. The flesh does not matter. Another group come along and says, well, there is a resurrection, but it's already happened, and you guys don't have a chance at getting it because it done went by. Paul looks at this and he writes in this letter in verse 19. He says, if you only believe now, you are to be pitied. Not felt sorry for, but pitied in the sense that you have no hope. He says, why do all this? It is a good thing to live what we would call a righteous life, to be clean. Not be addicted to alcohol, not be addicted to drugs, not look at pornography, be married to one person, raise your kid right, do others right, treat people right. That's a good thing. But who cares? You're dead. You can do all the good you want. When you're dead, you're dead. So you and me might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. He says Christ is to be pitied. What good was it for the Lord Jesus Christ to come on the earth to feed the
disciples, he's risen again. He's not dead. He's not in that grave. He then said he was seen by more than 5,000 people. He said many are awake right now, but some have passed on. Somebody like Thomas. When they said, we've seen Jesus, he's alive. Thomas says, I don't believe squat, you say. Unless I see it right here. Unless I can put my hand right here. I don't believe. And Jesus come to Thomas and said, hey, here I am. Go ahead. Right here. Touch me right there. Put your hand right here, Thomas. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. What about the jokers walking on the road to Emmaus? Want to know about this person, Jesus Christ. And Jesus appears to him. And he tells him all the things he'd done when he rose from dead. And you know what they said? Did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke? He has risen from the dead. And he says, you've received this message. You've understood this message. And you've accepted. And therefore, you're a lively church because Christ is risen from the dead. And you have hope, he says. He says, I died daily. hard-earned money to the church? Why do you volunteer to teach children, do music, do the yard outside, clean the toilets, clean the pews, whatever you do? Why do you volunteer your time? Why do anything? You've done it because Jesus Christ made a change in your life. He saved your soul. He touched you. I don't make a lot of money. My spouse ain't always good to me. My kids might run wild sometimes, but he changed me. He touched me. Therefore, I will serve him. Now, the old saints of God ain't like us new saints of God. They went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, If you was a teenager and didn't want to go, no choice. You're going to the house of God. I don't want to go to the house of God. I don't care what you want. God has touched me. God has changed me. We're going to the house of God. 
And you saw that and you witnessed that. And maybe some of you are here this morning as a result of that person showing you the way of Christ and his glory. And his... Don't go south and I fall right in front of you. These are things of my age now I'm kind of hoping for. But I'm also hoping that one day Christ is going to change my body and he's going to take everything that's broken, everything that's hurt, everything that's been destroyed, and he will make it right. Has he not made it right with you in your own heart, in your own soul? He'll make it right with you. He makes it right with the family. He makes it right with people in the church. But we have to be open to him and say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. This bread, this grape juke, symbolizes the broken body of Christ. The blood that was shed on the Calvary. And when we partake of this communion this morning, we have hope. Hope that he hasn't forgot about our hurts, our pains. Hope that one day our kids will serve the Lord. And it don't matter what church they serve the Lord in, as long as they're serving Christ and know he's good and that he's a life-changing God. That he will change our families and he will help our families. That he will take us along the path. That he will make it right for us. This is what the psalm said. He will watch over his people because we love him and we serve him. And that's what his broken body means. That's what the shed blood means. He makes it right. And we can rejoice in that this morning. We can be glad in this morning that he does that. We honor him in communion this morning because of what he done on our behalf. And for that reason, we have hope. There's more to this life than just playing basketball, going to work, going out to eat, running all over the place. No, life is about Christ. Life is about serving him. Life is about following him. Life is about loving him more than anything in the world. And that's a joy Nobody can take from you. So in honor of that this morning of receiving communion, to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, to respect what he done on the old rugged cross, I would ask this morning that is there anybody who would like to be anointed with oil? You need healing in your body. Maybe you need healing in your heart. Maybe you're struggling with your family. If you are here and you are in that area and you want to be anointed, this morning I would ask, would you be willing to stand so that we can acknowledge and come and pray for you where you're at before we, we, we begin communion? Does anybody want anointed this morning? Anybody afraid to stand? Want to raise your hand? We will anoint you. All right. Nobody wants anointed. Deacons, come. And let's uh, share in communion together. I think the deacons come, don't you?